Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to educating and empowering men to address erectile dysfunction, improve confidence, and enhance the satisfaction in their relationships. This podcast is brought to you by ErectionIQ.com. Learn more at ErectionIQ.com. Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist. I am deeply passionate about working with men like you to help resolve their ED. Today we are joined by Dr. Angelika Kolomanska. She is a psychologist and a sexologist practicing in Warsaw, Poland. She works with both individuals and couples, helping people to resolve sexual challenges and sexual dysfunction. She is a faculty member at the Department of Psychology and the Clinic of Cognitive Behavioral Therapy and at the University of Social Sciences and Humanities in Warsaw, Poland. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for invitation. I'm very glad uh, to be here with you today. So just to get us started, can you tell us just a little bit about your clinical practice? Tell us just a little bit more about what kind of population do you work with? What kind of problems do you see? Oh, yeah, of course. Thank you for the question. So uh, I'm working with individuals, but also couples and families. Um, I'm working um, with uh, many kind of uh, sexual dysfunctions such as uh, ED and um, also more uh, psychological problems like depression because of course uh, when people come and saying okay I have sexual problems usually it means that uh, um, it, it's also about another kind of problems like um more mental problems that's why what i start with usually it's uh, make a psycho- sexological psychological interview and then we start with setting goals and find uh, the right way to help yeah and i was just saying that 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 a lot of times uh, sexual dysfunction when it's psychogenic could have its roots in other psychological challenges like depression anxiety and whatnot so you're saying that the assessment um, is really kind of looking at both the psychological and the sexy the the sexological components uh, that might be contributing to that dysfunction. Yes, of course. So um, I think uh, most of uh, psych- sexological problems are have this mental component. So that's why it's so very important that no matter if you uh, a doctor, like physical doctor or your psychologist or psychotherapist, you should think about both sides. So about uh, somatic health and also psychological health, I think it's very, very important. So, uh, but of course, making good connection with your clients as well. Uh, it's big part of uh, good therapy. Good enough. <laughs> yes. So if I had to ask you to give our listeners a bit of an overview of your approach, how would you describe how you, I guess, conceptualize and look to help people um, address and overcome sexual dysfunction? I'm a cognitive, uh, behavioral cognitive psychotherapist. So I try use cognitive uh, conceptualization just to understand what is the problem. And uh, then we, of course, try change behavior. Sometimes I'm also use uh, acts. So ACT, it means that I try accept what it's here and now, what we have, what kind of force you have, uh, what kind of feelings and behavior. Uh, 
behaviors. And then we go, we turn to um, values. So we try focus on what you can do, actually. So um, I try engage them to um, specific behaviors, what can be, um, uh, yeah, what are good for them. Yes. And um, for our listeners, um, ACT um, or ACT stands for Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, correct? Exactly. You're right. Okay. So we, we we talk a lot about you know, cognitive therapy. And I think it would be helpful for our listeners if you could expound a little bit more about what a cognitive approach or a cognitive conceptualization means as compared to other approaches to um, psychotherapy or sex therapy. So when I think about cognitive therapy, uh, I think about thinking. <laughs> so it's how we think, what kind of beliefs you have, beliefs about your sexuality. So uh, it's very important because what you think, it, it creates your behavior. So um, we try uh, in identify like automatic force, which you can get during having sex with your partner or even when you're alone. Uh, so um, we try uh, identify and change if they are negative because, of course, uh, it's big part of our sexual life. We think something. It's not only about physical contact, but also about psychological contact. So how we think about ourselves, our sexuality, about our partners, our needs, fantasies, um, if we can accept ourselves like we are. Yeah. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying that there's the thoughts that we, that we hold on to in our mind, I think they're, they are somewhat layered, right? We've got the, the immediate thoughts that we have, but these thoughts also stem from like, I think what, what CBT refers to as like our core beliefs, like the thing that we actually believe in. And you also mentioned this idea of automatic thoughts because there really isn't a lot of active energy that we put in to think. We just think, right? It's yeah. an automated process for us. And exactly. a lot of times we don't even pay attention to or even think to pause and question the thoughts that are going through our mind. Um, if those thoughts are faulty um, and or if they're unhelpful, um, the cognitive approach here would be to figure out how to address some of those thoughts. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, exactly. So we try identify your core beliefs, but also automatic thoughts. We try analyze it. And then finally, we can discuss if it's helpful, uh, how you think. Uh, if not, we can change it. So there are many techniques what we can use in sex therapy um, when we are cognitive behavior psychotherapists. So we can try change your core beliefs, for example, about sexuality or about, uh, um, yeah, erection or orgasm. So like, could you give us an example, let's say, of a um, automatic thought that somebody might be having, let's say, on the surface level that might be connected to a a uh, very profound core belief um, down below it, how all that might be contributing to a sexual dysfunction like erectile dysfunction. What would be an example of this? 
Yes, of course. So in my practice, I found actually many men with uh, beliefs about erection. So they think that they always should be ready. Like they have automatic force, like I always should be ready. Uh, um, men should have erection. Like, uh, <laughs> but of course, it's not true. Not always, right? So core beliefs related to erection, like I always should be ready. Or men without erection, it's not real men. So um, then we can try work on this. Okay. And, and would that be a core belief or would that be just a thought? Actually, both. So sometimes you can see our automatic force as a core beliefs, uh, but not all um, like automatic force are core beliefs. So uh, it's very important to try and uh, discuss with the client what is your core beliefs and what is just force because we cannot control our, our force. So sometimes we're thinking so fast uh, and they are just force, maybe because our cognition goes down when we, for example, very stressed or tired. Yes. So, I mean, I think we're thinking fast all the time. We may not realize it, but our brains <laughs> are working at, at pretty fast speeds, a lot of times faster than we can we can catch those thoughts. Now, kind of shifting over to a little bit of a different topic, um, you know, I know that um, attitudes towards mental health and sex therapy um, have evolved, and I think in generally in a positive way, um, where I think people have become much more open to um, the role the mind plays in their lives uh, the role that it plays in quality of life. And I think we've seen certainly during the pandemic here in the United States, a significant increase in people who are utilizing mental health services, who are becoming aware of uh, their own mental health and sexual health needs. Um, with that, there certainly continues to be a discrepancy between men and women in terms of their willingness to come to therapy. Um, I'm wondering what your experience has been um, working with men you know, across the ocean um, and, and whether they are receptive to therapy if you see similar discrepancies to what I'm describing between men and women and like what tends to bring men into the therapy office. Oh, uh, it, it, it depends. <laughs> it's very psychological answer. Uh, sometimes uh, women like uh, they partners so um they uh, recommend them uh, try uh, like uh, have psych sexological uh, like a consultation because they found some issue like sexual issue or uh, sometimes they uh, they just feel so weak uh, and depressed that they don't know what to do so sometimes like uh <laughs> they just try find everything what they can do what they can how they can help themselves so uh, if they already try many things and didn't work then finally they go to psychotherapist uh, so uh, yeah it's, yeah, uh, usually, it's usually we are the last <laughs> the last resort We're the last resort. <laughs> yeah it, it, it makes sense because if if there's a way to resolve this without um, having to be overly vulnerable and really kind of like put all all your parts out there on the table so to speak um I, it, it makes sense to me that people would want to avoid that process so a lot of times we are one of the last stops um and certainly if we're if, if we're able to help we're, we're the last stop um in that in that process um now when, we, when it comes to erectile dysfunction so you mentioned this this idea of 
you know, beliefs and core beliefs. Now, I'm curious to know, in in your experience, how might core beliefs around sexuality and erectile dysfunction be similar, and how might they be different to core beliefs in the United States? Oh, that's very interesting <laughs> question. Um, yeah, um, I already uh, I, I've been working with clients from Europe, but uh, from US as well. And I think we are we all the same. But of course, um, I think uh, that cross cultural sexology is quite new topic, and we don't know so much yet. So it's good. To, uh, <laughs> it's good field to try discover more and more. Um, what I can say is that I think that in Europe, uh, people are more. Um, flexible and they are more uh, open for sexuality than in us so i found that maybe um, um my clients from us are more conservative yeah so so as an example does that does that make people um more accepting of sexual function challenges does that make them have more flexibility in their expectations of themselves? Like, do you find that, because let me get it back up. I know that many of the people that come to see me, many people that I encounter, that I engage with, that I encounter, find erectile dysfunction in particular to be extremely distressing, extremely distressing. Um, And it can really take people to like to the brink of mental health crises. Um, I I guess I'm kind of curious, like, is that something that you run into as well or does that like flexibility and again a culture which might be more open to talking about sexual topics and um, have more flexibility with how people engage sexually? Does that decrease the distress, or does it seem to be like a cross cultural phenomenon? <laughs> regarding, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. It's just stressful event. <laughs> so uh, I think that uh, just men. Uh, can have uh, a lot of stress before uh, coming to uh, expert, and that's why um, I don't think that it's it's more like you say that it's a phenomenon. Uh, and yeah, it, it doesn't matter if it's men from Europe, US, Australia, on another continent. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's important for our listeners to hear that 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 even even when you are you know open and and more expressive and more flexible in your sexuality it might shift some of the core beliefs it might change some of the the ways that this manifests but um if and when it happens it can be extremely distressing absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. now of course yeah speak, speaking of this like you know, this open more flexible approach to sexuality just want to be curious with you for another moment. How 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 might that impact um, expectations of um, or perceptions about relationships? Because I know that people's relationships um, tend to have a very significant impact on sexual function. Uh, fear about what a partner's thinking, whether they're in a long term or a short term relationship. So I know that that there are definitely parts of Europe that do things on a on a, a more progressive scale. Let's say than in most of the United States. So I'm wondering how might that play into um, some of these core beliefs and some of the uh, concerns, fears, and anxieties about sexual activity and partnered sexual activity? 
Of course, um, when we are alone, so we have self-love, we don't have to think about uh, anything, like only about how I make myself pleasure. But when we are already with some people, so we have sex with somebody, then it's more complicated. So we start thinking not only about how make myself good, but also how I can make another person good. So um, if we don't have good communication skills like good enough then um we in trouble because we start think okay what she likes what she doesn't or i i see she changed her voice so maybe she's not happy uh, that's why um yeah i think it's uh, it's it's great question um and um yeah that's what we do in couple therapy we try recognize if you have any uh core beliefs beliefs uh force would make you difficult during having sex with your partner yeah so no, no doubt that that um these are going to be couples therapy issues i guess what i'm wondering about is is there a difference that you see between again you mentioned there's like more of a conservative tone in the united states where people are probably more likely to end up in longer term relationships uh, they're more likely to have the expectation to be with you know one partner over a long period of time. Does that end up showing up differently in the office in terms of like those core beliefs? Do they get shaped differently? So I imagine if somebody is not expecting to be with a partner for a long term or they don't feel a certain level of safety and security, that's going to cause core beliefs to develop in one way. Whereas somebody who is expecting to be in a long-term relationship may develop core beliefs in another way. Do you see those discrepancies in terms of the anxiety profiles of the patients who are coming in to see you? Um, do you see um, differences in core beliefs about security, relationships? Like, does that show up in the office in different ways? Yes, absolutely. So usually we're not safe if we want to change our partner. Of course, uh, it's um, maybe it's easier to change partner than keep the same and try solve problems. Um, so uh, it, it's depend of expectations. Uh, if I would like to have long term relationship, I must know that I, it's a work actually. So <laughs> uh, I need pipe effort and energy. I need to work on it and find what make us good together um but usually we can also um, think about short-term relationship not only because we want but because like you say we feel anxious so anxiety create um behaviors so they are uh, yeah emotion uh, like uh, behaviors uh, um, drive I mean, we feel something and we do something, right? So when I feel very anxious, um, yeah, I look for another partner, for example. Why? Because um, maybe I'm. Uh, it's a fear of rejection. So uh, that's why it's easier uh, to find another partner to work on it because I have uh, too much fear inside. So my anxiety told me that I should find another partner instead stay with fear. So what we do, we should confront ourselves with the fear. We should expose ourselves for the situation what would make us anxious. So mm -hmm. talk to your partner. That's why um, um, I can refer to communication skills. It's very important task. So, yeah, we need to find something meaningful with uh, our clients. That's why 
I think that that's the key, actually. What is the most meaningful for you? If you really would love to have lovely uh, relationship, long-term relationship, maybe we should find a way that you can get finally, right? Yes. So, really, really, yeah, really some really excellent points. Um, so, Dr. Kolomanska, I just want to just kind of as a wrap-up, are there any additional thoughts that you think are important to share with our listeners just about um, you know, erectile dysfunction, sexual dysfunction, and sexuality in general, because I think it's important for people to realize that a lot of these things are cross-cultural, cross-border, uh, cross cross-country, cross-continent. A lot of this stuff has to do with how we are wired as human beings, much more than it has to do with how we're socialized. So first of all, we should feel comfortable with our sexuality. So if we have any pain or discomfort, um, we sh we can uh, think about contact with an uh, expert. Why? Because um, sex should be uh, good enough. Uh, sex good enough is without pain. It's not painful. It's something lovely, something with love, something with pleasure. It's not only about pleasure, of course, uh, but we need to feel relaxed and pleasure. Um, yeah, so that's what I think is very important that we uh, able to uh, control our uh, sexual life and be happy uh, with our partners. Fantastic. So once again, Dr. Kolomanska, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're going to look, look to get this episode out to our listeners because I think it's such an important um, and valuable piece to hear from people around the world who are engaged in this work. So once again, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. For more information on today's topic and understanding how the mind impacts erectile dysfunction, please visit ErectionIQ.com. That's ErectionIQ.com.